we were conversing off the air. So that's why we were just perhaps a tad late getting on the air. But there's so much to discuss as we are here at Gibbs tonight, Rivalry Thursday. The Eagles play host to Fulton. Each team is 2-2 two and two on the season, and this is a huge regional matchup. And joining us for the next hour, I referred to him as the unofficial mayor of Gibbs, uh, Mayor Corrington, <laughs> and that is Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com. Brent, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm not the mayor. I can tell you who the mayor is. Um, his name is C.H. Qualls, and he runs the community of Corrington. I'm sure he'll appreciate that shout-out for him there. But um, glad you guys are out here. It is a huge region game tonight. I'm looking for a little more cloud cover and a little more shade and a little more reduction in temperature. But, uh, hey, it's time to line up and play and see what happens. Should be a fun one here tonight. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be all right. We'll, it is we'll, toasty I'll, I'll, for the downhill side of September. We don't, <laughs> yeah. we, we, we don't kick till 7, so I won't, I won't pull a Jason Swain and stand up and start pacing at the end of the hour. I can make it until I'm <laughs> off air before I get too wound up. We, we do the – John and I do the, the, the Big Orange Countdown, and it's – Jason has an internal clock in his head. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Like, it doesn't matter when the kickoff is. About He's got this feeling like it's time to play still. And he's, I mean, for 30 minutes, he's just casual talking and everything. And about the last 20, John, he just he stands up and he just starts you got, rocking. got to move I'm around. Like, what are you doing? He's like, it's about kickoff. I'm like, you're not playing. <laughs> it's just in. But it's just, I mean, it's in, it's in his brain. So I'll do my best not to stand up and pace on you guys this hour. Brent's appearance brought to you by Diversified Enclosures and Screen. From design to installation, the team at Diversified has you covered. View their portfolio online at sunandscreen.com. So Tennessee gets ready for Tennessee Tech. Tell me, what stood out in terms of the volunteers were in position, had five different possessions where they had a chance to tie the score after halftime and just couldn't come up with the play, whether it be to keep Pitt off the scoreboard or cash in and tie the game. What what did you think in terms of what we watched in game number two for the Volunteers this season? Well, I mean, we we've talked about it all summer, you know, and and you gotta you gotta finish drives with touchdowns, uh, not field goals, or in this case, not any points. I mean, when when you're down in there, you've got to score. Um, that that's something that's been Gibbs's problem this year is is we've not finished enough drives in the red zone, and I, I think for Josh Heupel's group, that's a big stat to keep an eye on. I, I've talked about it from the defensive perspective, Jimmy. I felt like defensively. They had to win red zone. Offensively, they got to do a better job winning the red zone. I mean, when you're down there, you've got to score touchdowns. When you're inside the 10-yard line, you don't need to kick a 48-yard field goal. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you got to you got to clean that mess up, and, and you got to finish drives that way. Um, you know, from a positive standpoint, the the one thing that stands out to me is this staff can get people open. Yes, they can scheme people up because because here's the thing. I thought, okay, Bowling Green. I won't put that aside. They've never played each other. You know. I mean, Pat Narduzzi knew exactly what Josh Heupel likes to do. Okay, he knows that system. He's played it twice in the last three years, yet they still got guys open. They still had people open. Some of them they completed. Some of them they didn't. Uh, so from an encouraging standpoint, you walk out there going, you know what, This they should be able to score points because from a schematic standpoint, they're really good at getting people open, whether yeah. it's in the passing game or creating a, a run gap. Even, t- even tight ends. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> That, that was the, the probably the biggest positive I took away from the game. And look, I expected this team to play hard. Look, it, coming off of last year and everything you went through in the regular head, if, if you're not motivated to play and, and, and write that, I'm not sure about your, I'm not sure about your desire to play the game in a lot of ways. So I figured that team would play hard. So that was kind of a given for me. The schematics that they've shown and that they showed in that game uh, jumped out to me a, a good bit. 
Um, and then I just, you know, what Theo Jackson is doing right now is just, mm-hmm. I mean, I thought he would be, I thought he'd be solid, but I didn't think it'd be anything like that at all. Uh, they just got to finish. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think that's the key word for them all year long is finish. Well, I, you mentioned Theo Jackson, and definitely so. Matthew Butler is another one that you can throw in there that, I mean, there are some guys, as you mentioned, that are making the absolute most of this opportunity, aren't there? Two assistant coaches who have done it a long time in this league, mm-hmm. who know what it's about, who know what it takes, and two seniors who have completely bought in to those new assistants. I think the reputation of Willie Martinez has, has helped Theo Jackson go all in. I'm not saying Theo Jackson would not go all in regardless because I think that's his personality, but I think it's an easier transition for Theo Jackson when he can call Cam Sutton and he can talk to Justin Coleman or Emmanuel Mosley, you know, these people, about, about Willie Martinez. Matthew Butler's a smart guy, did a lot of research. He knows exactly who Rodney Garner's coached. He knows what Rodney Garner's about. I think the veteran um, knowledge that those two guys have had um, on, and the impact they've had on those guys is, is what you expect veteran coaches to do. And um, I think both, both Theo and Matthew Butler have benefited greatly from those two guys' arrival. Bridge, you've seen this with the, the many years that you've covered Tennessee, and when there is a coaching change, quite often there's somebody that steps up, and it's like, wow, okay, looks like the coaching change was good for this guy or that guy. Mm-hmm. If you want to go back to Jonathan Crompton with, with Lane Kiffin and, and Jim Chaney or Nigel Warrior, mm-hmm. uh, and I think you're seeing that exactly with what you said with Theo Jackson and Matthew Butler, and, and I wouldn't limit it to just those two, but they stand out. Yeah, no question because of the production that they've had, but yeah, I mean, I think absolutely you're seeing that, that that guys benefit from uh, what, I mean, I, I remember a, a receiving core benefiting from Trooper Taylor who moved from one position to another position within the staff. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it wasn't like they brought Trooper in from somewhere else. He just moved down the hall to a new to a yeah. new room, uh, you know, a new meeting room, and I think that was beneficial to him. So I think sometimes guys need a new voice. They need a change. Um, and, and that's crazy to say when you think about all the change that um, that Tennessee's had through the years. It's just like, God needs another change because what do we talk about? Stability, stability. But in some cases, I think it's a benefit, and I think it's definitely a benefit for those two and some others as well, but particularly those two thus far. Josh Heupel's playing his uh, cards close to the vest <laughs> in terms of quarterbacks. He won't. He said Joe Milton was at practice. He didn't say he was practicing, doesn't say whether he'd be available. You got Hendon Hooker. What do you see Tennessee doing at quarterback this Saturday? I don't. I don't know. I, I think it's a little. It feels a little bit more today like Hendon Hooker than than maybe yesterday. I, I thought Joe Milton might be further along. Maybe he is further along, and we don't know it. Um, so I I think you're going to see a lot of Hendon Hooker. Um, but you now is he the starter? I don't know the answer to that. Um, Josh Heupel was as he was. He didn't even talk about it today, and then last night on Vol Calls, he was extremely coy about it. I'm with you. I don't know how much Joe Milton has practiced. Here's what I wonder, and, I, and I've written this, and I'm going to write it again tomorrow, and I've mentioned it multiple times this week. Who starts this week, to me, is irrelevant. No offense to Tennessee Tech. I don't think it matters. I think the question is, who are you riding with next Tuesday and Wednesday when you get ready to go to Florida? Can you say Joe Milton's my starting quarterback going to Florida if he doesn't play this week? I don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. that I, think that's, I think that's the bigger question is what does Milton playing or not playing this week mean for what the quarterback situation looks like next week? 
Because, again, I think they're going to play a bunch of quarterbacks this week because I don't think Tennessee Tech's very good, no offense to mm-hmm. them. But, I mean, if Tennessee's in a dogfight with Tennessee Tech, next week's irrelevant to everybody anyway. Um, but, you know, this is one of those deals where how does next week's quarterback deal dictate? And if Milton doesn't play, where, where is he in the pecking order next yeah. week to get ready to go to Florida? I don't know the answer to that. I'm speculating, wondering out loud. So we'll, we'll speculate about running back. Jabari Small. Would I you- wouldn't play that's what I, yeah. I wouldn't. Yep. I wouldn't take a chance here. I mean, if that shoulder's tender, I'm not going to say. And, and here's my biggest reason why. And, it's, and, and this is not a, a knock on Jabari Small. It's not because Jabari Small is the best back or is a guy that's just an all-American type deal. But in the second half, you didn't have any trust in anybody to play other than Jalen Wright. Right. So if you didn't have any trust in him at home, how much trust are you going to have deep back with Lenise Whitehead and those guys if you have to play them at Florida? So I'm going to do everything I can this week to make sure Jabari Small, Tyon Evans, Jalen Wright are ready to go on the road against Florida because you're probably going to have your least trust in, in Jalen Wright because he's got the least experience. So you really need Small, healthy, and you really need Tyon Evans ready to go next week to Florida. You expect Evans to play? I think, I, you know, I think you probably want to try to get him some work if yeah. he's – what, that one's a little bit odd to me because he's practiced, but then the indication is he's not necessarily been cleared to play, which leads me to believe, wonder exactly what they're dealing with there, um, <laughs> you know, based on kind of where that thing was last week. But I do think I do think he will be available. I do think he will play some in this game. I think you want to get him a little bit of work, um, certainly. And then can you get trust out of Lenise Whitehead if you play him in this game? You know, at some point you're going to need one of those guys. Yeah. You know, they needed a second back. No offense to Jalen Wright. I thought they needed a second back in the second half last week against Pitt. But I just don't think they were they, – they just were truly trustworthy in playing somebody else. Our guest Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com. If you have a question or comment for Brent, 656-9900. 656-9900. Star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. The toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Sports Talk today, a part of Rivalry Thursday. As we're here at Gibbs tonight, the Eagles entertain Fulton in a huge region matchup. 656-9900 if you have a question or comment for Brent. 656-9900. Let's say hello to Steve. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Steve. Hey, fellas. Hey. Hey, Brent, I was talking with guys Monday about uh, they thought we could win half of our games, and they seem to think so. And I want to ask you, do you think we can win half of our games? Well, I think you got to make plays at the quarterback position. If you can start hitting some some deep balls, and you can start throwing it a little bit better, then I think they can be competitive against a lot of people because, as I said in the first segment, I think they can get guys open. It's a matter of some execution that needs to take place. The other thing, Steve, is they've got to stay injury-free. Right. Um, they're just thin at so many spots. They're not, you know, they've got to play more people this week to figure out who can help them more. Um, you know, they did not play a ton of people on defense last week, and I think they played 89 snaps or something like that. Um, you know, they have got to they've got to continue to try to develop some depth and, and rotate some guys there. I'm really curious to see Byron Young this week. How much does that help Tennessee moving forward? I think it's good for him to get work this week before you move forward. Um, so I, I think that's a good thing. Um, but they need more depth. They got to stay injury free. We, we've already seen, you know. I think the Cooper Mays injury was pretty significant. I think that affected Tennessee in a lot of ways. Um, 
you know, they need to get the, the guys that are banged up now healthy, but they've got to stay healthy if they're gonna if they're gonna win half their games, you know, the rest of the way here. All right. Oil. And and here's the, here's the thing too. I mean, Kentucky's pretty good. Um, right. <laughs> you know that, that they've looked pretty solid. Uh, I don't know exactly what to make of Missouri at, at this point. They have times to me where they look like they really got it going, and then they kind of do some things that you go, "What was that?" A little bit. Um, right. I don't think South Carolina's very good right now. Uh, but what do they look like when Doty comes back at quarterback? Um, right. But but you know Vanderbilt, I don't think is very good. So there's certainly some winnable games. Tennessee's going to have to win some of those toss-up games. Uh, right. For for sure, to to be in a position to be six and six at the end of the year. All right. Okay. Well, well uh, good luck for yields, guys. Uh, is that who, that's where your boy plays. Yes, sir. Camp. Yep. Yeah. That's good luck that. for yields. Thank you. I appreciate it. I finally got me a high school all the way up there in Knoxville to pull for. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, partner. We appreciate it. We need all the, we need all the fans we can get tonight. That's for sure. This one's going to be tough. Okay. Thanks, buddy. Have a good week. Thanks. Sure do appreciate it, Steve. 656-9900. 656-9900. That's how you join Sports Talk. When you mentioned the the Cooper Mays injury, I think it's hurt him more at guard than center. I think Carvin's done okay. I think the guards that replaced Carvin have not done very well. How do you see that? Yeah, I didn't think think either guard last week, either side. Agreed. I I didn't think Spragans played particularly well. Yep. Uh, I I thought Kingston Harris had some moments where he was pretty good. Then I thought he had some moments where he he struggled a good bit. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, obviously that Ollie had some some issues and some some mistakes where you know they, they decided to roll more with Kingston Harris. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think both of those positions have to play. And I'm with you. I mean, their their best five uh, right now is with with Cooper at center and getting Carvin back out to to the guard position. I think their communication's better there. Um, now, the question is, can they get a tackle ready to entertain the thought of sliding Cade inside at some point? Is that a possibility? Because the one thing you wonder about with the interior of the line is, how are they going to hold up against the Jordan Davises of the world and some of the big guys? I mean, this week, Tennessee Tech's going to start a defensive tackle who's six foot 240 pounds. So, so don't make judgment this week on how the interior plays in terms of pass protection or run block because – Jordan Davis weighs nearly 100 pounds more than what the guy they're going to line up against this week. And Jordan Davis is a man. He's a mature man. So guys like that, you know, big bodies like that, I wonder how they're going to hold up against moving forward uh, in the month of October when in the gauntlet comes. What's your take on Tennessee at linebacker? Surprised they've rotated as much as they have. Um, but at the same time, too, we talk about creating depth. I think it's a, I think it's been a smart move um, by by. Uh, BJ, the linebackers coach, from from this standpoint, what if you get an injury? You know, I mean, if you're sitting there and and all you played is two linebackers, and then you get an injury, and all of a sudden you got to roll in somewhere and, and against an SEC team, and you you're playing Solon Page, who who certainly hasn't been as good as he needs to be. I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, or you got to play Aaron Beasley, two guys who don't have much experience. You don't want their first action to be when they're thrown into duty. I think that he has done the best job of showing trust in some guys and try to let them grow the first two weeks of the season to better help them moving forward. Um, so I, I don't – they've rotated more than I thought, but when I look at it, if you think big picture, I get what he's trying to accomplish there, and that's build some depth out of a group that has no depth. I thought they'd get more out of Juwan Mitchell to date. What did you think? thought he was much better – 
I thought he was better in week two than he was mm-hmm. in week one. I thought he was really quiet in week one. I thought he was more active to the football in the run game in week two. I thought he made a heck of a pass breakup late in that game on a crossing pattern that he jumped the route the right way. Play recognition knew what was coming. So I thought he was much better week. I thought week one he was non-existent, so to speak. He was out there, but I didn't feel like, and you know, he was much of a factor. And was that who they were playing or what? He was much more active in week two. Um, as he learns his defense, we'll see how much more. I don't know how much he was asked to play in space at Texas. I've not gone yeah. back and watched a lot. Now, you would think a lot because that league's about space, right? They don't line up and run it. But was he a guy that they blitzed a whole lot and he played going forward and didn't have to play a whole lot sideways? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, but I thought he was better in week two to answer your question, Jimmy. If you have a question or comment for Brent, 656-9900, We've talked about Theo Jackson as well as a couple of others, but uh, Matthew Butler, who else might be uh, showing a positive gain on the stock watch? Well, I mean, Theo Jackson, I can't remember who my stock report was this week. The tight ends have to go into that category. Um, I I liked what Jacob Warren did. Um, I liked how they used Jacob Warren. I thought they finally showed his athletic ability. The, the way that you would like. Um, I think Princeton fans kind of an underrated player and has, was a year ago because he was asked to do a lot when Austin Pope, you know, was out. Um, so I like the way that they use the have used the tight ends. Um, I really like the way they used them last week. I mean, there was those were some really creative plays that you're sitting there going, I don't, I don't know how deep they are at receiver. I don't know how many weapons they ultimately have at receiver. But if you throw in a couple of tight end weapons, then all of a sudden you got a, your your toolbox is a little deeper, you know. Um, so I, th- they would be stock up for me uh, for sure. I, I like the I like those two guys. I think Warren Burrell's playing well. Um, I I I know I trust Willie Martinez, but I don't think the safeties are playing have played that well to this point. I know he said that they had played well. He liked what they were doing. I think they've missed some plays out there. But, but Warren Burrell's stock would be up for me, and certainly the tight ends as well. Back to the phones we go. It's Jeff who's up next. Hello, Jeff. Hey, fellas. Hey. Hey, Brent. Uh, I have a, a question about Tennessee's number of scholarship players currently. And I'm not talking about guys who are walk-ons, Dane Davis, or a holder who've been put on scholarship. How many guys came out of high school on scholarship that are on the roster now before the transfers came in this year? Oh, I don't know that number. I mean, <laughs> that's, well, a, that's lot. a heck of a lot there. That's, right? that's, that's, a, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of math. I mean, Josh Heupel says it, 71. Jimmy and I were talking about this in the break. Jimmy, you got 78? Yes. That's counting the transfers. It's counting transfers, okay. but it also counts super seniors. So and you're also counting well, walk-ons who were placed on scholarship. Like, like Dane Davis. Davis. That's correct. So they're, they're – I may be off one, but there's 77 or 78 players currently on scholarship. How many of those were put on scholarships that were once walk-ons? Very few. Um, how many of them uh, they brought in, was it 10 players, Brent, that were trans- from the transfer portal? Roughly 10? That they so, brought in? Uh, on the transfer portal? What, two at every level on defense is six. Uh, two quarterbacks is eight. Yeah, Javante Payton's nine. So, yeah, you're right at 10. So we'll go 10 uh, plus about three walk-ons put on scholarship. 13 minus 78 would be 65. That's ballpark. Okay. So my thought, was, I was thinking in the low 60s, we can, we can take 25 scholarship players this year, correct? 
Yes. But you're going to have a bunch of these seniors and super seniors leave. What's the chances we have 85 on scholarship next year, Brent? They won't. I don't even get I there. I don't think, I don't think you can physically get there. There's, there's, there's a, a chance, proposal. Yeah, there's a proposal for a waiver that for schools that have been hit really hard that you could go perhaps as far as seven. You get a waiver for one year. You could go as many as seven over your initials of 25. There's a lot of debate on when the dates are going, when, when that window of dates is on when somebody transfers. Yes. So in some cases, that date is even before spring practice that they're talking about. Well, if that's the case, then Tennessee wouldn't get that many because some guys left after spring ball. So there's... There's still a little bit of a battle, and, okay, that's a great thought, but, like, can't we extend the window of when someone would transfer that we would qualify for the extra yep. guy? great point. Here's the other thing you can do, too. If you're below a certain number, there is a waiver procedure out there that you can get another scholarship that way in a given year, taking you to 26. That's how Kenny Solomon actually ended up on scholarship at Tennessee when number-wise they seem full. But that's, that's one here. That's maybe five or six there. I still think it's going to be hard for Tennessee to get to 85 unless you have some guys return, a senior's return for another year, Princeton Fant. Does he come back and play another year, or is he done with football? There's a handful of those that are a small handful that are a possibility. Then there's some that you know just aren't going to come back. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to be hard for Tennessee to get to 85. I don't think Tennessee's expected on being at 85 next year. Yeah, well, there was. I, I made the comment to a friend of mine that, that Jeremy Pruitt left us such a bad hand that it would take us three years to get to 85 scholarships, and he told me I was crazy. And I, I thought, well, I didn't think they'd get to 80 this coming year with transfers and, and enrollees, and I, 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 I thought you would be the person to ask. So. I appreciate the heads up. Thanks. Well, well, first of all, I don't do any math homework at our house because I don't do <laughs> math. So I'm not saying my numbers are right. But I do think it's going to be hard for Tennessee to be at 85. I know they're not going to be. I'm pretty sure they're not going to be there in year two. Jimmy, can they get there in year three? Maybe. Well, I mean, depending I on what all these proposals are passed yeah, and, and, and those type of things as well. I, I haven't added up all the seniors. So without knowing that, it's hard right. for me to say. Well, And you don't know who's going to transfer I, out of your program. Um, who's going to leave early if somebody ultimately ends up? I don't think there's anybody on this team to leave early, but you never know, um, and, and you don't know when somebody's going to transfer. So given kind of the nature of the transfer, you think it's a given there will be some who won't return. Um, so I just think it's going to be hard for Tennessee to get there. I think it's going to take time, lots of time, more than they want, more than anybody wants to take. <laughs> and as far as the bookkeeping goes, the, uh, the super seniors don't count against your 85 this year, correct? That's correct. That's yeah. correct, yes. But they are scholarship players. They are on scholarship. That's yes. correct. Yep. So uh, we sure do appreciate it, Jeff. Let's go next to Michael. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Michael. Gentlemen, greetings from Naples, Florida. How are you? Oh, oh doing well. Hope good. you are. Yeah. Not as good as you, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's pouring down rain. Um, Brent, I want to ask you about Harrison Bailey. And I really know I ask that at my own risk because when you ask about Bailey on social media, half the fan base thinks that's the idiotic question. And uh, But I think the other half, genuinely like me, really want to know how has he ended up at third string? When we observed him last year, you know, he was accurate with the football. He didn't turn it over. He doesn't have a rocket arm. We know that. But I think we've seen rocket arms don't translate to touchdowns necessarily. 
So I'm just curious, you're an authority on it. How has Bailey ended up as, as third string all of a sudden? I think the other two guys in preseason camp have performed better than he did. I mean, I, I think that's, I mean, from a practice standpoint, I think the other two guys have performed better, and I think that's why he ended up uh, third string. Does this offense fit him to a T? It does not. But the, the head coach has also said on multiple occasions that he can conform his offense to whatever style of quarterback he has, whoever gives them the best chance to win. Um, but I, I think that I think it's based on, on, on what, what they got done in the preseason and, and scrimmages and, and those type of things. And, uh, you know, Austin mentioned this in our podcast yesterday, and I, I think it's a really good point. One of the greatest disservices that happened to, to Harrison Bailey was after his senior season was over, after everything was done, he would sign with Tennessee. He got a fifth star. Didn't get the fifth star. And, look, I'm talking about rivals here, okay? Didn't get the fifth star because he won the state title. Got the fifth star for whatever reason somewhat later on. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I I think that that title by your name, you know, creates a level of expectation that's really hard for – you know, for everybody to live up to, and it creates a level of expectation that that you've got a college hall of you know you got a college hall of famer on your roster. Not saying that he can't be a really good player. Um, he is a young player. We'll see how patient he is and, and how things go from there, and how he develops moving forward. Um, but I, to answer your question simply, he was outperformed in preseason camp and, and scrimmage work and practice work. Well, that is surprising because when we've all seen him play and he's accurate and he doesn't turn it over, and that's two things I think would help us. I guess my last question, Brent, any chance he plays on Saturday or are we just going a different direction? Um, I, you know, I would not rule out him playing on Saturday. I mean, depending on how that game goes, is Joe Milton going to be available? Um, again, I, I think when you're sitting here looking at all these things, I mean, he was he was a helmet getting knocked off, Hendon's Hooker, Hendon Hooker's helmet getting knocked off, on a quarterback run away from being on the field. So, I mean, you know, Joe Milton's got a history in his career being banged up. Um, do, do, you, do you expect to play three quarterbacks in a year? No, but you, you also have to prepare for it if you have that opportunity. So if, if given that opportunity, if I'm Josh Heupel, yeah, I'm going to play him. Now, I know if I play him and he goes out and performs well against Tennessee Tech, I know what the reaction from everybody's going to be. But I've got to think of the, the better good of my football team and not worry about the outside noise and distraction that might be out there. Um, you know, so I, I think you have to play him just in case. I think one of the mistakes that Butch Jones made was Josh Dobbs' freshman year when he didn't play him early in the season. So the first time Dobbs gets on the field is at Alabama. Now, he ran around and everybody went, "Woohoo! we got the guy. And then the next week he goes to Missouri, and I think he completed about 30% of his passes. Because he wasn't ready to play, because they didn't take the opportunity to play him early in the year to get him ready. I, I think in this case, particularly with the new redshirt rule of four games, when you have an opportunity to play a guy who you might have to play if there's some injuries out there, you better take full advantage of that. That's my opinion, Jimmy. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, but you did say something that I think is going to be interesting. If Bailey comes in and goes 10 for 10 for 200 yards and three touchdowns, then you're going to hear a lot of whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, but, but then you have to you have to manage. Look at the competition. Well, you have to yeah, grade on the curve. Because I think I think that, and again, I'm not trying to be mean to Tennessee Tech, but who he went against in spring in the spring game was comparable or better than and then Tennessee Tech's going to be. You know, you, you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's like 
I hear that all the time. Well, he was the best quarterback in spring. Okay, put a qualifier. Christian Biggers was the best running back in spring. So was David <laughs> Yancey. But he was, yeah. they weren't the best tailback on the team. Yeah. So I get fans are seeing they're seeing through two things. They're seeing a half dozen overthrows on what could be touchdowns that are incomplete, which is maddening. Okay, and then they go back and the best quarterback from a production standpoint in the in the spring game that they got to watch, okay, was Harrison Bailey. So he comes out of the spring with the best performance in the spring game. He wasn't the best quarterback in spring. He played well in that game. Then you go into fall camp, and he's a non-factor, and it's the, the question he asks is a very fair question. The best answer I can give him based on everybody you talk to and, and what little bit we've got to see, he wasn't the best. He wasn't one of the top two quarterbacks in fall camp. Mm-hmm. Michael, we appreciate the call. Final segment for us with Brent Hubs of AllQuest.com. Back to the phones we go. It's Jacob who joins us. Hello, Jacob. Hey, guys. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Hey, Brett, i got a couple of questions for you. Uh, okay. If you were Josh Heupel and you were the one making the decisions over there about uh, the starting quarterback going to Florida, let's discount the next game coming up. Would you start Joe Milton uh, at Florida based on what you've seen from, t- from his first two games and his body of work at Michigan? Um, I would base my decision on what happens this Saturday in terms of who plays. If Joe Milton doesn't play this Saturday, I'm not going to start him at Florida. Okay, let's say he's he's he is 100 percent and able to start. Would you and you know would you take him into the swamp as your starter if he's healthy? Depends on if he plays this week. I think he's got to go out and play and play and play well. Okay, I mean if if. If he I, he's going to be a hundred percent by Florida, I don't think there's a question there. If right. if he doesn't play this week, I have a hard time taking him to Florida and starting him based on the two based on how he's played in the first two games. If he plays in this game this week, he is in a better rhythm, hits a couple things, gets going that way, then then that's a different conversation for me. So this week does okay. count. It doesn't count who starts. But it counts to me who plays and who performs well this week. And if Joe Milton doesn't play and perform this week, I think that's a hard that's a harder ask to go to the, to go to Florida with him, uh, having not played in seven quarters. Okay, I got two more questions and then I'll hop off here. Okay. First is when you look, what jumps off to me is when you look at the offers, the college scholarship offers that Harrison Bailey had in the eighth grade, and then he, I mean. Like eight of them, that jumped off the page to me. And then you look at the guys coaching who recruited Harrison Bailey in high school: uh, Mark Rick, uh, Gus Malzahn, and I believe Dan Mullen at Florida. There are similarities in those systems, but I think you would agree, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. There's there there are three distinctly different systems, but yet three guys that are well respected in college football who thought Harrison Bailey could run either one of them. Would you agree with that? Eighth grade offers mean nothing to me. I'm nothing. talking about coming out of high school. You said eighth grade, eight offers in the eighth grade. That's irrelevant to me. Who was going to take him at the end? Georgia didn't recruit okay. him. Yeah. Georgia didn't recruit but, him. He wasn't, he, he wasn't Auburn's pick. But, Mark, Mark, again, are we going to talk eighth grade or are we talking senior year in high school? Because Mark Rick didn't have a chance. Mark, he wasn't going to play for Mark Rick, right? 
Okay, what I'm saying is that that surprised me that he had eight, eight offers at a, as an eighth grader. But if you looked at who recruited him as a high school senior, Mark Rick at Miami, Gus Malzahn at Auburn, and I believe Dan Mullen at Florida, who run three distinctly different systems, and all thought Harrison Bailey could fit it. That says a lot to me. I mean, does it not you? Well, I'll, t- I'll, I'll go reverse for you. He was committed to Tennessee with Jim Chaney when Jim Chaney got here, and Jim Chaney immediately went to Texas and tried to get Haynes King. So how much did Jim Chaney like Harrison Bailey? Well, I mean, that, that's a valid point, but you're not really answering my question. I'd answered it with another question. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I, listen, I don't follow, I don't, I don't know if that was a committable signing, if he had papers to sign from Auburn. I don't know if he had papers to sign from Miami. I don't want to sit here on the radio and say he didn't. I don't know that those were his two realistic finalists when it came down to the end of the day. And I, you also don't know okay. who would be starting for those coaches if they had quarter. I mean, who the other quarterbacks in that meeting room would be. Here, here's what I know is he signed with Tennessee, okay? He's playing in Josh Heupel's system. He went through spring practice. He went through fall camp. He came out of spring practice and fall camp as a third-team quarterback. That, that, that's, that's, the defi- that's the facts that I can give you. Now, if you want to debate whether he should be or shouldn't be because of what offers he had coming out of high school or what he did in the spring game, okay, fine. What I'm telling you is this. He went through spring practice for 15 days. He went through fall camp, and he was he – was, Brian Mauer was the first one whittled out of the competition. And then after that, he was their third-team quarterback coming out of fall camp. Did they make a mistake? I don't know. I don't think so, but we'll see. When, when it's all said and done. There are plenty of five-star quarterbacks that don't pan out. Hunter Johnson is an example. Well, And, and here, he went to Clemson, right? Clemson offered him, and then he goes wherever and ends up at Northwestern, loses the job at Northwestern. Now he's their starter, but he's not that good. He's J- a five-star. Jim, Jim Chaney went after Haynes King after he had Harrison Bailey. Jim Chaney and Jeremy Pruitt went and got Hendon Hooker after Harrison Bailey was here, and they'd seen him play last fall. And after spring practice, Josh Heupel went and got Joe Milton. To, to, to go. So that, that's that's kind of where the quarterback competition sits in my mind right now. Brent, what's going on right now at BallQuest.com? Going to get you ready for Tennessee Tech. Got the matchup piece up. We've got uh, plenty of things from Josh Heupel today. We'll have uh, a couple other stories coming up later this evening and, and tomorrow. Of course, we've got the War Room tomorrow. We'll have our predictions. We'll do 10 things, I think, I think, coming up uh, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, some recruiting stuff out there as well. And then Eric Kane will have his podcast on Saturday morning to get you ready. We'll have the cheat sheet. Then we'll watch Tennessee play Tennessee Tech. We'll see who all gets to play. We'll see if Tennessee can clean up a lot of mistakes that were self-inflicted errors that they had a week ago against Pitt. What's the primary key for the Eagles tonight against the Falcons? Hold the ball. (laughs) Win time of possession. Um, Finish in the red zone for us. And I think the other thing, too, is you got to try to tackle their speed and space, which is really hard. I mean, Eli Hubs, three sacks. They can can go. Yeah, we would love that. You know, they can can go one direction and go back the other way for 80 yards on you on what looks like a busted play because they can really run. So that's the challenge is handling their speed and space. Good luck to Eli and the Eagles tonight. Great to be in your part of the world. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. That's Brent Hubs of allquest.com.